Hey, what's going on? This is Mark Grody, the official Chicago Bears sideline reporter from 670 to score and ISU Redbird alum. It's now time for your fifth quarter sports talk. It's Will's fifth quarter special, and here's your host, Will Farlow. Welcome into the 19th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you, welcoming listeners to the 19th episode of Will's fifth quarter special. I'm here tonight with my guest co-host, who's on the show for the first time, Isaac Missile. Welcome to the show, man. I know you've uh, been following the show since it started, and uh, it's great to have you on, man. I, I know you have a lot of stats you are so excited to share, yeah, so yeah, very, first, welcome. I'm very eager to get to get this going, and I'm, I'm really excited to get out there and finally be on Will's fifth quarter special. I love We love that enthusiasm, yeah. Isaac. My listeners are going to love you, man. Uh, we have a very exciting show for everyone tonight as the Illinois State Redbird Volleyball team, they are currently in action over in the University of Northern Iowa in the beautiful corn country of Iowa. Coming in tonight, 12-4 and overall record and 4-0 and in conference play. How can they continue that on the road this weekend tonight at UNI and tomorrow against Drake? The Illinois State football team fell to Missouri State on the road last weekend, getting their first 2018 loss this season. How can hosting Western Illinois tomorrow with the Brock Stash-sponsored game Mm -hmm. getting the Redbirds back on track? The Chicago Bears made history as second-year quarterback Mitchell Trubisky took the Bears to a 48-10 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last Sunday. Going into a bye week this week, how can the team prepare for Week 6 against Miami? The Bears' offense continues to grow under offensive coordinator Mike Helfrich and head coach Matt Nagy, but how does the offense need to continue to grow moving forward? We have Bears sideline reporter for 670 to score, an ISU Redbird alum, Mark Grody, coming back on the show tonight as he helps us see what we will expect to see the rest of the season from Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. The White Sox finished year two of the rebuild, but what will happen with their offseason? The Southsiders are not said to be ruling out top free agents this offseason. Will Rick Hahn finally fulfill his dream of bringing Manny Machado to the South Side? The Chicago Cubs on the north side of town had their season ended in a tragic loss to the Colorado Rockies over at Wrigley Field. What are their needs now going into the offseason? The Northsiders have been connected to Bryce Harper. Do they need the star outfielder or is pitching more of their necessity needed for 2019 and moving forward? The show will continue to monitor the start of preseason of the Chicago Bulls and the show will close with Will's Sports Movement. So Isaac, we're going to get actually started on volleyball. I know you... The one you're really excited about is football. I can already tell by the look on your face here, man. It's uh, but uh, we got as they would say, ladies first. We gotta be cordial to yeah, the sports right, teams right, there. Yeah, you're right. You're sure. You're right. But volleyball, and we're we're looking at it right now. I actually, I'm such a big fan follower of uh, ISU athletics. I had the game up right now. Uh, we're gonna look at the score chart here just a little bit to start the segment here. They are currently in the second set right now. Northern Iowa is leading ten to five. And the Redbirds, we were talking about before the show here, and it was 25 to 19. They lost that first set, but I remember sitting into, um, you know, as their beat reporter, those press conferences. Coach Lee Johnson is a, just a great personality, has really transformed this team. You know, I, Lexi Vargas sat down on the show here with me and just said so many great things about her and the team. But a 12 and four record overall right now, Isaac, and a 4 and 0 in conference, matching you and I, who is. The last few years have been one of the top three teams, of course, below the Missouri State, which is kind of like the dub warriors of Missouri Valley Volleyball here at ISU. But just hearing about that, the two matchups coming up, just first off, what are your 
opening thoughts on the 2018 Red Revival team to this point from well, what you've seen? I'm going to say it's really exciting to see them compete with you and I and really, you know, be up there with the, at the in the conversation at the top of the MVC. That's really important uh, for this program. And I know they had a good offseason. Our, uh, our beat writer, WZND, Julie Martin, was talking to me about it. Does a great it. job yes, with that beat. does a very good job with the beat. And uh, she, she's talked about it a lot with the, the preseason. They looked really good. And obviously going forward now, they're 12-4 and 4 and 4-0 and in conference, which is huge. Um, something that the Redbird football team needs to do is start winning their conference games. But uh, winning your conference games, especially, I mean, that's that's all it is in college. You know, it's not that's where it's a lot different from the pros. It's where the pros, you don't really, you need to win your division, but there's other ways in. Where here, the only really way into getting any good postseason in any college sport is is doing well in your conference. So yeah, I think that's what's been big so far for the Redbirds this season. Yeah, I, you took the words right out of my mouth, Isaac, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's very impressive. You did a lot of good prep work, I could tell for tonight, but. I'm gonna go back to the stats here. I know listeners love stats. I know you're you're just full of stats, man. I, I've seen you working on some of the stuff at over at Z and D. You you're really on top of those stats, man, with ISU Sports. Uh, but Allie Lyons got two points, but the big point uh, leader right now for the Rebels, of course, it's early second set, is L. Francis. And but the player I've really been interested in uh, since last year, Steph Jankowitz. That this is a young woman on a Redbird team that. You know, came into her own, uh, of course, under Jordan Weatherless, the veteran, sat her for the team. But, you know, I'm still getting acquainted with volleyball like you are. You know, we don't all know the exact ins and outs of volleyball like the players do and the coaches. But from what I could tell, the setter is probably the most important position, like the quarterback of the volleyball team. And what are your thoughts on just the way the newcomers are meshing with these veterans? You know, they have five seniors. Uh, what, do you, what are you thinking about that? Uh, well, it's funny that you, you mentioned two people that I had actually prepped for this. I looked at kills. I think that's a big stat in volleyball. Uh, I don't want to seem like lackluster knowledge. But well, kills, they are killing teams right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, that's, yeah, that was a good one there, Will. But you mentioned two players that I actually brought uh, a little little prep for, Allie Line and Ella Francis. Uh, Allie Line leads the team in kills with 133. Marissa Stockman, she's second with 118, and right behind her is Ella Francis. So it's it's actually cool that you mentioned those names because that's exactly what I prepped for. Those 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 three ladies are really leading the charge in terms of kills for the Redbirds right now. Yeah, and I have to say my uh, I'm gonna quote Hawk Harrison just out of respect. Now that he's out of retirement. We're gonna give him some fun quotes on the show here since you're, we're both diehard Sox fans. Yeah, you know that. Uh, my pick to click for the volleyball team. Uh, Tonight and tomorrow is going to be – I got to go with Lexi Varga, just a young woman that plays so well, uh, one of the leaders on that team, both Lexis, Courtney Pence, and, you know, as I mentioned, Jordan Weatherless and Allie Line, you mentioned one of your favorites there. Just so many great players on this team. And just seeing the way the newcomers mesh too, uh, I'm just going to go off what you're saying. Kaylee Martin earlier in the season, that home exhibition – that we saw against DePaul, great game. That was just a great showing of how those players are meshing together, what Coach Johnson's doing, giving them equal playing time, just so many different weapons to use, kind of like a Bill Belichick style uh, of play there. But this team's exciting. But they have a lot of tough conference matchups coming up, but they took down Missouri State. Now, that's that's a big statement. You know, their first two road conference games, they did that. They, you know, won two at their first two conference games at home last weekend, but – they're close on you and I right now, and the tough thing to predict with Missouri Valley Volleyball is anything can happen. You know, it, it, it's like any sport. Any stack can, you know, or standing can fluctuate. You know, the worst team could do, like, the best against the best team. But going into this weekend, you know, in tonight's matchup, what you're seeing right now, 
Uh, and tomorrow, Drake's a tough one, too. I remember Coach Johnson would always talk about that last year and especially this year. But what are your thoughts on how the Redbirds can get these hopeful victories we hope for this weekend and bring that uh, home next week? Um, well, I'm going to pull up. I'm going to bring up some more stats for you, Will, if you're if you're ready for that. Oh, um, I love stats. Just looking at uh, ISU and, and and who they faced this year, and you know, really just focusing on this year and the opponents that they've, uh, you know, played, obviously. But they're leading all their opponents in attack percentage, which if you look at that, that just really means offensive efficiency more than that. But attack percentage, they have a 252 compared to opponents 161. Uh, and kills are leading 766 to 624. And then in errors, a, a stat that is really all, always important. You don't want to shoot yourself in the foot when you're trying to win. So We know that from baseball. We know that from baseball. But uh, an error is there beating opponents 262 to 304. So they're just doing everything better than their opponents right now. And obviously that's, that equates in the wins, but sometimes it's just that simple. And just as simple it is, Isaac, and we hope the Redbird Volleyball team will continue that moving forward. As we mentioned, they are currently in action, now tied at 14 in the second set over at the University of Northern Iowa. We wish them nothing but the best of luck tonight. Hopefully a victory for Illinois State faithful. Tomorrow night is a 7 p.m. first serve in Des Moines, Iowa, so they'll travel from Cedar Falls to Des Moines, not too far of a trip there, over to face the Drake Bulldogs. Next week, they will be back home at Redbird Arena, October 12th, a 6 p.m. first serve against Valparaiso, Reggie's Kids Club night, and you could hear me on the call over at WZND, first volleyball play-by-play there, very excited, against the Loyola Chicago Ramblers, we remember them from men's basketball, Isaac, hopefully we'll beat them on the volleyball court, that is a 7.30 p.m. first serve October 13th in beautiful Northern Illinois, good old Central Illinois. Now headed into the football part of the show, we're going to toss the pigskin around here a little bit tonight, but not in the pouse, as they'd say, as the football team is coming off a a very close loss, Isaac. They lost 24-21 against Missouri State, and I talked to a few people on the campus. I did not know much about Missouri State football. You know, like we were talking about, we pay attention to, of course, Missouri State baseball, players like Jake Berger and so many other great players going to the majors out of that program, and volleyball they were just talking about, but... A lot of us didn't see this coming. Just looking at some of the stats here, quarter by quarter, you know, they start off with a field goal on the Missouri State side in the first quarter, uh, added a touchdown each quarter, you know, 7-7-7, but the Birds didn't score until the second half, getting two scores and then one score in the fourth. It just wasn't enough. So what are your opening thoughts about a team that they started better than anybody could have dreamed? You know, 3-0, and you know, putting on a clinic those first two home games yeah. of course and you know that incredible win against Colorado State but you're you're our, the beat reporter over at ZMD for football so kind of what are your opening thoughts and uh you know just after that loss yeah um well one of the things that Brock's back was really uh, emphasizing to the media during his press conference on Tuesday um he talked a lot about how it wasn't so much a lack of uh, effort it was a lack of execution that was what he that's what kept him uh more excited uh, than anything else, that's what he took away from the game was that the players were just if they if they if they put if they just are able to execute a little bit better that they pull out with that ball game and obviously at the end of that game they get a blocked field goal right I think that would have tied it sent it overtime they started off the first half with no offense they were just shut out in the first half uh, they even pulled uh, Brady Davis at the end of the first half put in Jake Colby for a little bit just to switch it up a little bit but you know Brady Davis came out in the second half he had a good second half. Um, and honestly, I, I look for this team to really bounce back. They're going to go back home. Uh, and it, it's tough to win games on the road. And that's what, you need to real, what needs to be recognized. So, uh, <clears throat> sorry, always tough to win games on the road. Um, and, and, you know, come home, take these next two. You have this week where you're coming off. You're hopefully, you, you really want to bounce back. 
you really want to beat, especially the teams uh, in, in your state, Western Illinois. You want to beat them. That's important. And then, you know, next week's homecoming against Southern. So that's another win you get. There's a lot of reasons you're going to want to get that one. If you get these next two wins, uh, you, you start stacking them, and, and you start getting a lot of momentum going as a football team. Stack those wins indeed. And I actually ran into Brock's back just a few hours ago, good old campus dining before the show here tonight. And he looked very excited for what the team's going to do. And I, I'm just in agreement with what you were saying there. Just a very well-respected coach in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Spent time as a defensive coordinator 10 years ago before coming over to the program. He's just transformed Illinois State football. And something I give him the utmost credit for is my favorite part of the team. Of course, I like Brady Davis, the passing game, the O-line, the defense, even if those seniors left doing a good job. But that running game is just – there's not much – more but good things I could say about that running game, Isaac. Markel Smith, uh, Joey Dwyer talked about a few episodes ago, his favorite uh, running back, Jordan Burtz, this Redbird sophomore, and James Robinson, just an incredible running game they have. How can, you know, of course every team's going to continue their strong points, but did you, have you noticed any points that even coming into tomorrow's game, Isaac, and especially the rest of the season, are there any spots you're noticing that maybe they need more consistency on or just, Straight up improvement. Um, the thing about it, the the one weird thing I think that happened last week was the defense uh, didn't really show up too well. They faced a really mobile quarterback, and his arm had been up and down over the course of the season, so they really didn't. You didn't really know what you're going to get out of that uh, Missouri State quarterback. But you know their defense needs to really. They really needed to be able to stop his legs, and they were able to do that, and then the arm beat him. And, and and obviously before they went on the road to face Colorado State. Uh, two weeks ago, they had shut out, uh, not shut out opponents, but they had really, really, really played good defense and weren't allowing much at all. And even against Colorado State, gave up less than 20 points to an FBS team. So that's really impressive. That's something that you really uh, want to build off of. And last week, I think the defense uh, took a step back, maybe, but uh, but but obviously in the second half, they really turned up their play and got that team back into it. And obviously, it was just a lack of execution, like Spack had said at the end of it. So I want, I, if, if you're a fan of the Redbirds, you really want to see the defense come back and really play, perform really well at home. And, and, and you can win a lot of games if your defense plays well. Defense does win games. We used to see that from Seattle. We're not seeing that much from them now, you know, yeah. Earl Towns down all that. But I'm going to touch on two things here before I give you a good closing question. This is great stat you're giving us so far, and we appreciate that prep work, of course, on the show, Isaac. So credit to you for that. Thank you for doing you're that welcome. very well. But it, it was talked about after the Northwestern one. You remember when the Rebbers went on the road about two years seasons ago and pulled off that incredible win at Northwestern by that last-minute field goal. Uh, it just it makes you f- think almost just as a Redbird fan here, you know, even when we're thinking about right now, you know, we're, we're as jittery as the players. Not to that level, but just the excitement, suspense. But it feels like maybe they got – you know, too into a certain rhythm after that game against Colorado State, that big FBS win you were touching on there, your thoughts with it. But it feels like maybe they just have to get back into a mindset in the conference play, you know, after a big game like that. Because if you win a big game like that, sometimes I wouldn't say your ego gets built, but it kind of like throws your mind into, hey, we could take almost any team. You know, the defense is probably like, oh, we could do this. But they just, you know, were stunned, I think, or probably, or just, you know, thrown off. But how can the Redbirds try and get that mentality where it needs to be tomorrow? What are your predictions for tomorrow against Western? Uh, a game we definitely need to win. And uh, what do you got the Redbirds doing tomorrow at uh, Hancock? Well, that was one of the things Spag talked about a lot. And, and it, uh, I'm recalling to his press conference two weeks ago before they lost 
to Missouri State. He had said that he had fire. He had a lot more active practices, and it seemed like a good thing at the time. But then, as as he started his press conference this week, he had noted that the practices were already being better. And I think the team had started, you know, get a little bit lazy or not late. You don't want to say lazy. You don't want to call it players. They're playing football, of course. But they just got into. You're right. They got into much a lot of a, a, a big rhythm. They got really stuck in their ways, and they thought what they were doing was the right thing. And that's what happened. You gain a lot of confidence, and it's what you do with that confidence. Uh, as a football team, and you don't want to lose, and you don't want to lose the flow you have just because you have a lot of confidence. And confidence doesn't win you games. Out going out, and performing does. But back to the point of you know predictions. I don't. I'm not a big score guy, but I think the defense comes out. I think the defense shows out, and I think Brady Davis has a good day himself. He has a bounce back day because that first half last week, that's just that wasn't winning football. And they needed to be better than that, and that's ultimately what what lost in that game was just not performing that first half. So you know, I might say the Redbirds put up somewhere in the range of thirty to thirty-five points. I, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and say Redbirds uh, thirty-four. We'll say uh, uh, Western. I think under twenty. I think, I think they're going to the defense is going to show up. Maybe Western thirteen, thirty-four, thirteen. I love that score. I'm going to go with a. Ooh, this is a tough one. It's hard to predict scores, man. Yeah. You never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, those bulldog, those leatherneck bulldogs, they might be uh, biting at the birds there, but getting yeah, at the birdies. Yeah, but right, um, yeah. I'm gonna go with a nice twenty-four to seven. Actually, I'm gonna have the Redbirds starting out two scores in the first half with a possible field goal, but they will go three and out, give Western the ball with the closing first half, and then like you were saying, Brady goes to work. Shoot, I'm actually going to go 36 now that I'm thinking about 36 I mean, I, I, uh, to 7 birds. Yeah, that's what's really important is that the, the the offense has to show up and the defense has to go back to what they're doing. And this is an atmosphere that they're really going to look for. You know, just today already, the homecoming vibes are already hitting uh, for next week. and We're know, already both ready for it right we're now. We're both ready yeah. for it too. So, you know, and it's nice to get this game before homecoming and coming back. And you're gonna get that. You're gonna get the culture back at ISU. People were wearing red today. And people were excited for a football game. And the weather's getting back down. It seems like the last time they played it was 90 degrees. Now it's gonna be out there. It's gonna be about 65 and rainy. And that's just what you want to see. And and that's gonna lead to a defensive game. So yeah, you, maybe maybe we're expecting the Redbirds to put too many points up. But you know, it's consistent with what they were doing before that loss last week. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and really handle the Leathernecks. And they will be handling those Leathernecks indeed. It's a 2 p.m. kickoff tomorrow. And uh, what's hopefully going to be dry weather, we're expecting rain. So we hope that's not too crazy out there, Isaac. Yeah, it is uh, in beautiful Hancock Stadium. So the ISU against Western Illinois, you're going to want to tune in for that one. You'll hear that game on WZD, can't you? We're heading into the professional segment, a big part of the show tonight. We're covering the Chicago Bears, so this is a. I don't do as great drawings as uh, that Anthony Adams player does, the former defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love seeing that artwork. Just we're gonna give him a shout out right here. I'm gonna give him one. And just incredible artwork, man. You're following your dream, doing what you like to do, and I believe it's Israel Donaghy. Israel Donaghy, thank you. I yeah, think Anthony, Ad, I you're think, right about Anthony Adams. He I think does, Adams helped a little bit. Adams right, might so. help a little bit, but I know he's got a big social media presence, and on Instagram, he's a big Bears fan. So, oh, he, yeah. and he and he posts a lot of it. But it, it is Israel Donaghy who makes all those drawings. And they, are, you're right, they are. They're cool and they're really they're really unique. And I, I like looking at them. And some people, you know, put their opinions in and they have what they may. But that's the beauty I mean, of sports, man. Yeah, I like them. Though. I think they're fun. I think they're cool. Just credit to those two players. And I, I think the reason I thought Adams is because he does that bear show. But yeah, he does too. He Canadian does. player Israel Donaghy. Incredible artwork. Shout out to those two and uh, former players, what they do with the Bears. And the Chicago Bears pull off another great season win at home this past Sunday after second-year quarterback Mitchell Trubisky from Mentor, Ohio, threw a record six touchdowns to help the Monsters of the Midway defeat the visiting Tampa Bay Buccaneers 48-10. 
Fitzmagic sadly lost his powers that day as the top-ranked Bears defense went to work, along with incredible offensive play. The Bears head into a bye week with first place still in their sights there in the NFC North, and still a lot of tough games coming up in the schedule. I had the honor to speak with a man who was very well respected in his career covering Chicago professional sports, and as well during his time as a student at Illinois State University and WZND. He is currently in his first year as a Chicago Bears sideline reporter for 670 The Score. I had a chance to speak with Mark Grody as he helped paint a picture of the current Bears roster, a motiva- the motivation from Week 1's loss at Green Bay, a nice chat with Mitch- about Mitch Trubisky, and what we can expect from him and the rest of the team this season. First, Mark, been with us on the show before. It's it w- it's a pleasure to ha- bring you back on, you know, somebody that's supported and is a friend of the show now. So just welcome back to Will Smith's Quarter Special, sir. Good to have you back. Yeah, it is great to be here. Always a pleasure to be talking to my friends at Illinois State University, the great Illinois State University. Yes, very much so. And we have a lot, there's a lot of things going on with Chicago Bears football, but a lot of excitement especially. And just to start off, we talked about it with you the last time we had you here with us, what your early start was like with Bears reporting, but now you're getting to cover more in-game situations and post-games. So just if you could catch us up on it, tell me what that's been like in your first full year, uh, just doing that so far in the regular season with the Bears. It's great. I think I, like probably a lot of people, and I, I include my colleagues in the sports broadcasting industry, not many get to watch football games from ground level, from sideline level. And there's the good and the bad of it. It's not the greatest view in terms of seeing formations and seeing what's going on. That's why you always hear coaches that are on the sidelines say, I got to watch the film. I got to watch the film because you can't quite see everything from there, but you definitely can hear everything. You do see some things a lot more close up than other people do. The hitting is very real from down there. I am also, privy to hearing what is going on on the sidelines, much of which, you know, I can't report just because some of it is strategy-wise, but I get to see some of the emotions, some of the actual conversations that are occurring down there, seeing the individual position players uh, huddle up with their respective position coaches. So there's a lot of stuff on the inside that I've never seen before um, on a football team that I'm getting to see now. And it's all been a great experience so far. As far as, you know, talking to the players, it is, you know, in doing what I do, um, talking to a player off the field when the game is over, then going into the locker room and doing one-on-one interviews for the network, it's amazing how different it is when there is a win as opposed to a loss. And I don't think I have to explain that. I mean, players are much more willing to talk, and it's a much better conversation when they win and when they lose. You know, in football, every loss matters, so it's a very depressing feeling when, when there's a loss. And, of course, the Bears' only loss was a very depressing loss because they blew a big lead, and it happened to be in Green Bay. So there's there's a thumbnail for you, Will. Yeah, you – I don't know how, but you, you fit that right out of my mind there, Mark. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, after week one, it's, uh, it sent a shockwave to Bears' uh, – nation right there you know Aaron Rodgers suddenly coming out of the tunnel and I'm still stunned just a lot of credit goes to him of course with Green Bay him going out there and putting his career on the line for his team in that situation but what did you I want to ask you what did you see after week one of course 
you know, it was a different environment after a game like that. But from what you heard from Coach Matt Nagy, you know, his first year with the team, seeing that happen, and just these guys around Cleo Mack now and Mitch Trubisky, what was that push that they took from week one to get to a first-place 3-1 record? What did you kind of see that um, helped them get to this point? Well, first of all, I don't know what was more shocking, the fact that the Packers came back. I would argue that it was almost more shocking the Bears had had a 20-point lead in that game against Green Bay because nobody expected the Bears to march right down the field on the first drive. Um, I think some people probably could have predicted what Khalil Mack did, but maybe not even to the shine that that he did it. So, you know, it, it sucked that they lost that game, and it was, you know, it was a tough one to take, I think, for the players and for the fans especially because you had, you had Green Bay, you had Aaron Rodgers, and then you lost it. And I thought that what was a must-win for, for this season was that Seattle game, the very next game on Monday Night Football, that you, you know, as cliche as it is to call anything a sports a must-win other than maybe what the Cubs are going through tonight, um, I think that that was a must-win for their morale, for their season, for everything. Because if you go to 0-2 and you lose on Monday Night Football at home against the team that's probably mediocre at best in Seattle, then you might not be where you are right now. Backing up just a little bit to that week also after Green Bay, I don't think I've ever been around a football team, and I've covered football in the past, not to the degree that I'm doing now, to where all week they talked about that game. Usually it's the, the next day, maybe the following day with any football team, you discuss the past game. All week long it was about that Green Bay loss. Some guys were wearing it. Some guys were brushing it off. But they all knew it. They all knew it was a horrible loss. And, you know, you get the win over Seattle. That was huge. <laughs> A, a sort of rocky, you know, interesting win over Arizona, and then the complete domination that they had this past Sunday in the 48-10 victory over Tampa Bay. So, you know, I mean, you've watched the games. It, it hasn't been it, – clearly it hasn't been anything like the 48-10 win. I think the Bears' best halves of football occurred in week one against Green Bay. And then for four quarters against Arizona on Sunday, or excuse me, against Tampa Bay on Sunday. So we'll, you know, I'll be really interested to see where it goes uh, on Monday or next Sunday at uh, at Miami to see what direction what this Bears team really is. Because I don't know if we really know yet. Still, will. Yeah, Mark, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think it's obvious we know what the defense is probably going to be. Credit to. You know, Ryan Pace keeping Vic Fangio in that role, that was probably the most important thing along with, you know, hiring head coach Matt Nagy, bringing that on. But keeping that defense where it is, I think it's in a really great position. Even more to be excited about with Khalil Matt coming. From what I can tell in the media, he seems like a very good personality for the team, another good leader in the game of football as well. But there's something I really want to touch on with you, especially after that 48-10 to game. There was a question Bears fans had about, you know, in terms of Mitch Trubisky and the offense, like you are talking about, that close back-and-forth dogfight in Arizona week one and then week two with Seattle and then Green Bay earlier on. Um, there were questions on how Mitch would be able to continue to build that rapport with the receiving. Obviously, him and Trey Burton have a pretty good connection to this point, you know, and with the run game, Tariq and Jordan Howard. But kind of give me your thoughts on how that growth is start to continue and from like what Matt Nagy said it hopefully will continue what are your uh, thoughts on that 
Yeah, I think, you know, maybe one thing that we have sort of forgotten, and when I say we, I mean those of us who have covered the Chicago Bears, is that it's not all Mitch when it comes to the offense that, to some degree, what you saw this past Sunday is maybe something you didn't see in the previous games, and that was the wide receivers and, you know, getting open, getting wide open in some cases, and a lot of times that is on them. Another thing that we saw in the game against Tampa Bay this past Sunday, which I don't think we saw in the previous games, was a lockdown offensive line that was just, and if you watched that game, there were times when Mitchell Trubisky just had all day back there, and and any of us could have surveyed the field in that amount of time. And when I talked to Trubisky one-on-one right after the game, you know, that he was the very first thing he said was this was about the offensive line. He wasn't necessarily denigrating what they had done in the past game, but he made a point of saying I had time to do what I wanted to do. And one of the critiques of Trubisky in the past game had been the fact that he sort of had the happy feet and that he was bouncing out of the pocket and maybe some of that was insecurity with the offensive line. So that needs to continue to grow or to stay the same, I think. The offensive line had their best game. And the wide receivers had their best game in terms of, of getting open. It's not always all about the quarterback. Sometimes it's things that we don't know about the wide receivers, tight ends, any slot guys breaking down, breaking off their routes, not running the correct routes, not getting open enough. So some of that's on them. Um, so I think that that's kind of been my focus is, is realizing and seeing that there's more to it than just Mitchell Trubisky being mediocre as let's face it, he had been before this game against uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. And re- you mentioned uh, getting to interview Mr. Trubisky after a game like that. I, I, I can't uh, say enough probably how excited he was just to have those record touchdowns in Bears history there, you know, just in his first full year in the new Matt Nagy ran Bears uh, team. And I, I'm wondering what have you noticed in Mitch Trubisky in his, you know, that they, they said it wasn't going to be done overnight and, you know, it still hasn't been at this point, even after winning by 48 to 10 against Tampa Bay, it's still a long season. It's a long process for that offense and, you know, Mitch and, uh, Matt Nagy, but what have you seen in Mitch Trubisky, you know, being able to cover him and the team to this point, his growth as a, you know, a young player and a player that uh, fans hope will be the uh, franchise quarterback? Yeah, I think that one thing is that he has conquered and that is being very constant. Whenever he has spoken to the media, he's had the same message, the same confidence, the same air about him, even when things weren't going particularly well. One thing that I noticed on the sidelines, and this kind of went for the whole team, but you want to zero in on, let's zero in on Mitchell Trubisky. Even the guy threw six touchdown passes, and every time he came over the sidelines, yeah, there was the celebrations, the high fives, the smiles, but then he would immediately sit down next to his quarterback's coach, Dave Ragone, the backup quarterback, Chase Daniel, just to continue to grow. And there wasn't the over-celebrating. There wasn't that air of, I got this. It was, okay, show me why that works, and let's do it more. And every time that I had talked, spoken to him um, before games or after games or even just observing him in his, his mass press conferences, he never really breaks from, from who he is, and his message is always the same. There's never any panic. There's never any caustic answers. There's never any – even though it is like he's being prosecuted every time he's up there, he doesn't act like it. Um, as a personality, he's very football-y. Uh, you don't see him – he, he will crack jokes and he will have fun with the media, but he is very football, very focused, and I think that that fans can take solace in that 
one thing about him that is either good or not good, depending on your perspective, is that he is a he is a perfectionist. And sometimes we throw that word around callously, and it doesn't really apply to people that we say it does. But I think I've been around Trubisky now enough to know that he truly is a perfectionist. And that, I mean, like after the Arizona game, he was pissed. I'll be honest with you. You know, talking to him, he, you know, I, I tried to bring up the positive things in his game, and he immediately went to the things that he screwed up. Um, so that he is a perfectionist, and that's something that he either has to live with, tone down, or or embrace. Yeah, and I think Bears fans have already embraced what he can do even last year, uh, Mark, and I'm sure you can agree. When Brian Pace made that trade from three to two just, you know, in the 2017 draft, a lot of fans didn't know what to expect, you know, at the time, of course, we had Mike Lennon, but I think Ryan Pace should be getting a lot of pats on the back for what he has brought into this team, just revitalizing what the Bears have stood for historically and just bring that to the future. And my final question for you this afternoon is the Bears are 3-1. and one. Now, a lot of you know people like to make predictions, you know, where the Bears are going to end up, how they're going to start. A lot of fans did not see the Bears standing in first place after four weeks of NFL style football and the Packers two and one, Vikings one and two and Lions one and three, the Bears are in a role where fans believe they are either back in contention or hopefully going to continue this play, you know, because there's still a lot of football games to be played. And you mentioned it, you know, Miami's coming right up. Then you have, you know, a lot of other games coming up, especially the Lions back to back towards uh, the Thanksgiving period. And then Green Bay coming back home uh, to play us in Chicago. But, this team obviously has an identity, and you know the question will be where it ends at week 17. What are your hopes, and maybe what you've seen that can continue this Bears team where it is right now? Well, yeah, and you you did a great job of mentioning the schedule and some of the tough games coming up, and there's also the the Patriots that they'll have to play, and that's that's a difficult team to figure out this year. Although they rolled Miami the other day. And then the Bears do have to play the Rams. So those are going to be some square off games. Um, you know, you mentioned that Minnesota is one and two. That's bizarre because I thought Minnesota was going to be, was, and maybe still is, uh, the most complete team in the NFL. But they, their offensive line is not in good shape right now. So I'm going into details about the division because to me, that's what it's all about right now. I, I think. I think we're pretty safe in saying that the Bears are, are better than the, than the Detroit Lions. I still don't know if they're better than Minnesota or Green Bay. I mean, we, we're going to find out. I think it would be impossible to think that the defense continue to play at the exact level they played at because they're playing over their heads. The Bears will probably lose a game that you're not expecting them to lose at some point in time because that's just the way the NFL works. Um, and there are Still, believe me, it's still going to be growing pains to come for this Bears team. But that said, you know, I think that, you know, beginning of the season, I thought at best, honestly, I don't know if I ever gave an official prediction, but at best, my thought process was 8-8, eight and eight, a 500 team this year. And probably when I say at best, I probably, if I was putting money down, I probably would have said the Bears would be under 500 this year, 7-9, and nine, definitely an improvement from a five-man team. And the, the hope was that, no matter what happened this year, that you'd be able to pick the Bears the following year, and there'd be no doubt in your mind. Since the signing of Khalil Mack, everything changed, and we've seen how that has legitimately worked. So, you know, I, I think that most people would not have been saying this before, but I'm on the bandwagon. I do think it's a possibility the Bears can be a playoff team this year. Right now, 
will, at least right now, it's all falling into place in that direction. And I, I, I couldn't agree more, Mark. It's sending a lot of excitement on mine as well, uh, just as the average Bears fan uh, that's been following the team as well. Uh, just seeing that success, you know, a team that the last few years has been looking for that, at sites of it is finally having to pay off. And, Mark, we just want to thank you here at Will Smith Court Special for taking time to be with us a second time on the show. You're a, a good sportsman in the game area of broadcast. Uh, at your time at Illinois State as a student, uh, moving on with the Cubs and now with the Bears, it's exciting to see where you're going in your career and just taking time to talk a Bears regular season with us. We can't wait to keep covering how successful the Bears are, uh, Dragging the tears of fans that are hoping that continues, and just thank you so much again for your time on the show. We, we we could not appreciate it as much more as we do at this point. Will, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I'm happy to do it anytime. I wish you continued success. You sound great, and go Redbirds. Now, Isaac, that was Mark Grody. Uh, is just a great personality. And yeah, no, I love listening to him, and I listen to him a lot on the score, and he gets on, he does interviews a lot. In fact, the day they traded for Khalil Mack, I believe he went in. Uh, they traded for him on a Saturday, and he was he was there yeah, that's right. with Danny Parkins, and I remember tuning in that day because we were all so excited they had gotten Khalil Mack. Yeah, so, Parkins uh, is great, too. You know, I like Spiegel and Parkins back in guy. the day. They're both, yeah, I, you know, I dream about working there someday, but yeah, I, that, that's it's just a fun atmosphere, and I'll, I don't think I'll ever stop listening to the score, but yeah, yeah no, I, I like hearing from him. I like, I like, I like what he does. Yeah, I actually uh, might consider working that too. We might have to get a show, buddy. Yeah, that'd be cool. uh, the Farlow Missile Show. We'll have to get them talking about that. What that'd do you think? Cool. That'd be nice. Yeah, hey, you know, I'll, I'll take a show with anyone. Good practice I'll right now. Honestly, you're right. I'll do it overnight <laughs> if I need to. So just, you know, he gave us some in- exciting insight on the Bears. First place, he went out. Like we were talking about with football, it's kind of hard to predict even scores, but also records because the NFC North has a lot of talent. Uh, of course, the Detroit Lions, they're always an interesting question mark there. Uh, rival Green Bay Packers, that's been going on for I don't know how many years. I'm losing count, like almost 100 or so now. Yeah, it's getting up there. And uh, the Minnesota Vikings are an interesting one. The way Kirk's been playing yeah. is great. But they are uh, they only got one win, man. Uh, Green Bay's 2-1. Uh, you know, Detroit's 1-3. But the Bears, 3-1. Now, a lot of people could have seen that, though, because of Matt Nagy's energy and the way the team looked, especially after Kulu Mecca. And Mark Grody actually talked about that. Uh, a little bit, Isaac, in the interview that I had with him. Just pleasure to interview. Nothing but great things to say about Mark, like I said there. But he, he talked about how that was just a change in atmosphere. When Khalil Mack came into the room and he talked about interviewing him a little bit with me off the side after the interview, just kind of how what a great player he is, personality. I mean, we saw that in some of the press conferences. You know, that was our first glimpse before games of seeing Mack as a bear, you know, and as a player and as a person when he came here from Oakland. But – Three and one. What are your thoughts on the team, you know, uh, in Chicago after the win in week four? And just what you've seen so far that, as a Bears fan, excites you the most? Well, I'll tell you specifically about this last win over the Tampa Bay Bucks. That was awesome. I mean, I was at work that day. I wasn't able to sit down and watch it like I know. Oh, good old Medici there. Yeah, good old shout out to those guys. But uh, I had fun at work. But. I, I was. It seemed like every time I looked, the Bears had put up another touchdown. And then at the end of the day, I was able to look at the stats, and it was tell, it told me that Mitch Trubisky was putting up those touchdowns. And that was what was missing from this team. Uh, their defense had been top notch since week one. And in week one, I think a Khalil Mack has a at least a week of practice and a more or an extra week of practice or some 
training camp in him too. Uh, I, I think that we might pull that game up because it just seemed like all around the defense was gassed, and you know you had Leonard Floyd with his hand clubbed up, and you don't want to make excuses. They, but at the end of the day, they lost by a point on the road in Green Bay, and they've had a lot worse losses there, and they've and they've been blown out flat out than there before in the that's past. That's true. So, so it's nice to see them, you know, take that is a step forward to lose by a point, you know, and and, and that's just a fact. And and now as a first place team, we can say that. Um, it, it was exciting though, and that defense hasn't stopped since, and I don't I don't see it anytime. Stopping anytime soon and coming off the bye, uh, I'm really looking forward to this matchup against the Dolphins. Um, just be, you know, at first I was really hyped about it. I was really excited. I thought it was going to be another easy win. I thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might have been a better team than the Dolphins. But you know, the Dolphins still have to play this week. We still have to see what they do going into that matchup against Chicago. Uh, so that's going to be important to, to figure out what, what we got going into it. But you know, they were a team that were three and zero, and they were facing a one and two New England team, and they could have really. Really, you really could have put the sword inside New England if they, if they were. They were at home. They, oh, yeah. They could have ended it. Not ended it, not end their season so much because Tom Brady can do a lot of things. But they could have made a statement. They could have really made it, hey, we are good. You know, when, the Adam Gase-style approach uh, there. I say they could have – you can't really – you can't sleep on us. You can't think that we're nothing. We're good. We're going to be – we're legit. Because if you beat the Patriots, especially at that point, to give yourself that big of a lead in the, in the division, yeah. But right now I think it's easy to say the Patriots are probably going to come back and have a good season. It's, it's similar to that Bears loss against Green Bay. But since that loss, the Bears have been able to really add to that team and make it better. Um, and, and it's really going to be interesting to see what Miami does this this week as the Bears have to buy, and then you know ultimately what they do against Chicago in two weeks. Yeah, just the first thing I can think about is former offensive coordinator Adam Gase, and Matt Nagy's probably you know heard a lot from uh, Ryan Pace, you know uh, the McCaskies. They do a great job running the Bears organization. Uh, uh, good old Virginia McCaskey with that house connection there. But uh, I, I'm mirroring the same way you are on that, Isaac. I. I was actually at my grandma's 80th birthday, went home for the weekend. It was incredible. Just love my grandma so much. So shout out to my grandma. Uh, just enjoyed that time with her and uh, all that family watching the game. And uh, good old Court and Carries. Us Sox fans love Court and Carries. Mm-hmm. And uh, just watching the game, uh, even hearing on the radio on the way there, the excitement I had on my face. And Bears fans have had that at brief points the last few years since the Ryan Pace era began, you know, bringing this team back on the map and, we were talking about a show like their chances of contention, you know, during the preseason, offseason. We're seeing that right now, and hopefully we're going to see that moving forward more as there's there's still a lot of football. So it, we don't know for sure what's going to happen with the record. You know, maybe they'll be, you know, three and thirteen now, or they're going to be nine and uh, you know seven. Or in my prediction, I have eleven and five now the way they're starting. But I, I love what Mr. Bissy's doing. I've had so much respect for his personality, and that's what you want to really look for in your. Lead players, you kind of like we were talking about there with Coolio Mack, uh, you know, in the press conferences we're seeing, they're not just bringing good players, you know, early in their prime and stuff, you know, a lot of time, you know, with the team moving forward, like players like Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, but personalities, and I'm sure you could agree with that right now, back in the day when we had Jay Cutler, oh, that's a that's a fun name to talk about if you're a Bears fan, and uh when, even when they brought Brandon Marshall, they're like, okay, this is going to be like clockwork, good old Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas type connection. There was a lot of locker room chaos, and we haven't seen that, luckily, in the first, last two years, you know, since Ryan came to Chicago and just built a better culture. And Matt Nagy's adding to that. I love the energy I'm seeing from our head coach, finally. John Fox wouldn't bring that too much, and... I'm just so excited for this team. Yeah, I'd say actually one of the big things about the culture you mentioned that. Obviously, I think when they brought John Fox in after Mark Trestman, that changed the culture. But uh, bringing in Matt Nagy, um, it's funny you said the locker room issues. And 
you know what fixes locker room issues? Wills is, is winning games and being a that's Bisley, true. So going into your bye week and being three and one. No matter who you play, you play who you play. It's not like the Bears could have picked to play someone better than they did. They play who they play, and and you're in first place. And I like the dance parties they do after the games, and I love all the I love the atmosphere and the, the energy around the team, and it makes me excited to be a Bears fan for the first time. And it seems like forever. They need some White Sox dance parties. I say, well, I don't, yeah, not a lot to dance about on the South Side, but I, I wish they would. <laughs> either either way, well, yeah, I think that's what helps the most is winning football games. That's how you stop a lot of those issues. But we, you talk about stopping issues, and I think that's kind of – it was just my view on it, even as a fantasy player. I got a few Bears fans over here on my fantasy team, good old Jordan Howard, and uh, Mitch is my quarterback. Big, I'm a huge Mr. Trubisky fan. If the fans can't tell right now, I'm a big Trubisky fan. But it was interesting the way they were spreading the football on offense. Now, we saw some sights of that week one uh, against Green Bay, like we were talking about. That was a – and I told this to Julie Martin over at D&D. It's kind of a sore subject to talk about still to this point. It's going to probably take me till I don't know, week 10 to actually be able to laugh about that loss or about a year or so just for me and you. Because as Bears fans, that's a tough one to see when you're starting to season a new coach. But I think that game, just to touch on it briefly there, it it gives the Bears a reason to bounce back, not just now, but the rest of the year. And that's actually what Mark talked a little bit about. He talked about he, – he, he quoted this too. I'm going to quote it from the interview – how that whole week after, you know, that whole week you're preparing for practice, kind of like you were talking about with ISU's approach in football there, uh, professionally it's obviously more hardcore practicing, you know, three days, four days, whatever they do, that works best for a team. But that was the one thing they could think about. You know, he's like, oh, this this is a team that, you know, under Matt Nagy that's always thinking about that next game, you know, getting a positive mentality. Like, I love what Matt Nagy has said to the media about, you know, win or loss is great, but we're just focused on next week. That's a great mentality, even with a first-year coach just, it almost sounds like a little bit like Joe Madden there a little bit. But uh, Mark talked about that was the only thing the players were thinking about. Like They're like, you know, having growing pains a bit after, but they just – we saw week two and how they bounced back in that game. And then, you know, Arizona and, you know, then Tampa Bay. You know, those home games. That Seattle one on Monday night Mark talked about was just a big statement the Bears made that he – that was his view there. And – uh I know we talked about it earlier there in the script. It was a question I was getting ready to ask you. It's a big one. We were touching on the offense just now. The defense is, I think, still going to be the top one, if not at least within the top five by the end of the season and moving forward the way, you know, we got good old Khalil Mack for six years. A lot of those guys locked up long-term. Hopefully some more draft picks. Had Roquan Smith off to a pretty good start. A lot of Bears fans will worry about, you know, his start after that whole contract thing. But the offense, Isaac. Now I'm going to ask you about a certain thing with the offense, though. Uh, you know, the, the running back situation was interesting, uh, the way they talk about it, how, you know, Jordan Howard still will be back. I think that's still going to be the case throughout the year, getting a good thousand, you know, rushing yards a season probably. But, you know, the way they didn't use him much, you know, with Tariq Cohen last week a little more, or, you know, Jordan Howard one week. It's What do you think about the way Mitch spread the ball to the receivers and uh, the running backs? I mean, the O-line's really helping them, but I want to get your views on maybe where, where you like the offense right now and, what are your thoughts? Just pick the offense apart right now, like an offensive coordinator. What do you think they need to do the rest of the season? Well, yeah, I think it's really clear what they're doing with the running backs right now is that they're splitting time and they're really taking advantage of of, of, uh, of their individual games and indiv- in individual games. They're, they're going to use Cohen in this one. They're going to use Howard Moore in this one. But ultimately, this offense runs through Trubisky. And it, when you're running that RPO system or that run class option, um, 
you really have to have a good quarterback at the, at the core of it, and he's got to be able to run too. And I, obviously last week he led the team in rushing yards. I think he had 53. I don't think – or he, I think I heard that. I'm not sure. I, I should probably look that up. In fact, we can right here. Got to love that stat cast right there. Oh, I see him on the road. Yeah, I believe it was 53 as well. Uh, yeah, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, he's tied, had, with, yeah, tied with Cohen with uh, 53 yards, and obviously he had less carries than Cohen, and Howard only put in 25 himself. But that's where you see right there, if you combine that, that's 78 yards. Now, uh, out of a single, out of one running back, 78 yards is a decent day, and I think that's just really what they're doing there, especially when you split, throw in Trubisky there as well. And Taylor Gabriel actually had a carry there too. Um it's just one of those things I think the Bears' offense will – I think it's just how it looks. It doesn't look like the traditional offense where the quarterback's going to throw for 300 and then the running backs are going to – one running back's going to run for 100. It's usually the quarterback's going to hit his yards in the air. He's going to contribute on the ground, and he's also going to – and you're going to have your running back hit some too. And where the Bears are really, really blessed is having the ability to have a guy that can run outside of the tackle and then have a guy that can run right up the middle. Then can go get that third and one or that fourth and one. And then, you know, on first and ten if you want to go get a chunk play. Uh, you can give the ball to Tariq Cohen on the outside, get him a screen or something outside the tackle, and then give him space. And you know you don't know what's going to happen when you give him space. So that's really the way that I think their offense is working right now, and that's how I see it. Yeah, no, I, I I'm in total agreement with that. It's just my view with the running back thing. It feels like they're. I, I still think it's Jordan Howard leading the way. I mean, I I think just the way I heard it talked about, like they have those, uh, you know special uh, stories come out, you know, before a game and by week they have so much time to put good content out, you know, the media in the Bears media there. There was an article I believe it was by Larry Mayer. Pretty good piece. I checked it out last night a little bit and uh, they talked about the running situation. That was the biggest question. And I feel like, you know, the way they said it too was just playing it by matchups like you said. But also, you know, Matt Nagy talked about it earlier in the year. They're gonna you know, Jordan Howard's still our lead back, but I feel like and I was watching when I was watching the game. Tampa Bay obviously knows Jordan Howard a lot better than Tariq Cohen. You know, Tariq Cohen's in his second year. Jordan's in his third, fourth season, pretty much. So they, you know, will stack stack the box on. And I think that's kind of why we we didn't see that big toll from Jordan Howard. And I, I kind of am comparing it to that Cardinals game a little bit in Seattle, where they were evened out perfectly right in between there. Still, the receivers were getting the ball. Trey Burton, especially, I think. Mitch and uh, Trey Burton could be the next uh, Brady Gronkowski. I'm going to make a rash prediction there, but I think those two are going to be the next Gronk and uh, Tom Brady. You'd love to see it, but you never know. But uh, that's just kind of where I'm at in the running backs. That's a big question, but I still think uh, Jordan Howard's your leading bear back. I think Tariq Cohen plays a great role in it still, no doubt. The kid's got energy, uh, great in the receiving side too, but that's just kind of where I stand in the running backs. But going into week six, Isaac, Beautiful thing about bye week, we can already talk about week six. We can jump the gun a little bit here. Mm-hmm. The Miami Dolphins. Now we're seeing Ryan Tannehill come back. That's always good to see player coming off injury. Uh, you know, even if it's a team you're not cheering for, just you know, we're football fans. You know, yeah. it's it's great to see players that are you know injured that bad be able to come back and do what they love to do best, which is play football for uh, fans to enjoy and cities as well. But Bears, uh, old offensive coordinator there. Uh, from his days with uh, John Fox, good old Adam Gase, and, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry's former team, too, in Miami there. Uh, that's Kenny Stills' spot now. Yeah. But week six, the Bears have a great defense going up against a running game that still seems like a huge question mark in terms of Kenny Drake over Miami. Uh, their defense is pretty good. Uh, what do the Bears need to do to get another W in week six and hopefully uh, – Keep uh, we keep hearing bear keep the, down. Keep, keep the train rolling. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think about it a lot. Um, when I think and, and when I first heard this, I was excited. I thought, yeah, the Bears can go and win this game pretty easily. 
um, just because I didn't really believe in Miami and their record. They did beat a good Tennessee team in week one. Obviously, I think Tennessee is legit. But after That's a that, great yeah, defense in Tennessee. Yeah, it is. After that, they had some – Yeah, obviously, after that, they won some games. But when it came to it, they didn't beat the Patriots, and they were at home, and they really needed to get that game. So I got excited at first. But, you know, it's hard to win on the road, and, and I treat this a lot like that uh, – uh, that, that Tampa Bay game. Uh, the Bears were two and one. The Bucks were two and one. Right now, Miami's three and one. They'll be a different. They'll be a different record after this week. Um, obviously, I'm not sure who they play, but uh, I have to obviously we'll have to look into that. Either yeah. way, um, if they're coming in at four and one, and the Bears are three and one, that's going to be just a good matchup overall. That's just that, that's what you really need to look at there, and it's going to be another test for the Bears, especially when you're on the road. You never want to take any road game for, uh, easy, but. I don't know. I don't want to get too head far ahead of myself. The Bears have started off hot so far, but how good is this team? Uh, oh, yeah, they're facing the Bengals this week. Um, good old Joe Mixon comes back. The Bengals uh, are 3-1-2. That's going to be a good matchup. Miami's got a pretty, actually a pretty tough schedule coming up here. they got 3-1 Chicago next week. They're uh, going to have 3-1. Uh, it looks like they're on the road against the Bengals, too. That's a really tough game for them. So, yeah, uh, this is going to be a good part of them. You're going to really figure out who the Miami Dolphins are as well coming up. But I think that's ultimately looks like if Miami loses and they're three and two and the Bears are three and one coming off the bye, obviously you like the team coming off the bye uh, with all the extra time to prepare and stuff like that. But they're on the road, so that 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 is the trick in that. That's what's uh, always tough about it. Um, so if I gotta put a score on it, I don't want to get too excited about the Bears and you know maybe Mitchell Trubisky regresses back to the mean. Uh, he's not a guy that's gonna throw six touchdowns every game, but you know it's good to see those games and know that potential's there. Wish he, he was like Mahomes stats, though. Yeah, don't you? yeah, yeah. You do, but you know Mahomes is also uh, he's another guy that's getting gonna get ready to regress back to the mean. He faces Jacksonville this week, so I wouldn't be. I, we can talk about Pat Mahomes after this week and see what after he gets his first test against a real defense. So. Uh, if I got to put a score on it, though, I, I, I'm going to go 17-14 Miami. I think it's a game that Bears are currently, as it stands, they're one-point underdog to Miami. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say 17-14 Miami. Uh, I think it's going to be a slim margin, and maybe the offense looks iffy. Uh, maybe Trubisky puts up those two touchdowns, since we've said they don't really run the ball a whole lot. So maybe Trubisky goes out for 275 and two touchdowns. Maybe has a turnover, maybe not. Who, who, who knows? We can't predict that much. Uh, but I want to go ahead and say 17-14 Miami beating the Bears, just you know, they have home field. Yeah, I'm actually going to make a – this is a loaded prediction here a little bit, Isaac, on my uh, end. Uh, Dolphins are pretty good. I don't know too much about them. I've been following Kenny Stills a lot, uh, some of the receivers with uh, Ryan Tannehill, hoping that running games gets together for them because Kenny Drake is a little bit scary in terms of statistical there for their run game there. Because you always got to have a running back like the Bears do a little bit or, you know, like the Patriots. God, so many running back weapons there. Uh, you need to have that guy you can be confident with to run the ball because you're always going to have to run the ball at least nine times out of ten in certain situations. But I am going to go with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't have six touchdowns either. I, that's not going to happen every game. We wish it would. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's going to be really throwing his arm out there in one season. Uh, I have three touchdowns. or I'm going to go with four, actually. I'm going to second it to four total touchdowns. But only two of them are going to be passing. I think two of them, is, it's going to be Jordan Howard. It's going to be a big Jordan Howard game. Uh, that Miami defense we were talking about, they have a really good pass defense, I think. You know, they got good corners. Out. I like that secondary. You know, they brought in uh, former uh, L.A. Ram, uh, T.J. McDonald, who I think was a really good pickup. I know the Bears tried to get him as well uh, under Amos and uh, Eddie Jackson. But, you know, like we were talking about three cones more of the passing running back. And I think, you know, our receivers are going to get it out there. I think Taylor Gabriel is going to continue that report, Mitch. The one with Allen Robinson, I think, is still growing just because Robinson was out after that ACL injury. Uh, Trey Burton's going to probably get a few touches too, but I'm going with a Jordan Howard bounce-back game, uh, just saying, hey, 
He's going to be like, hey, I'm uh, still here. I know I didn't get many points this week, but you can look forward to it against the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets, rest of the season, Jordan Howard's here. Today, yeah. But uh, I'm going to go 36 to 30, Miami. Miami's going to make a nice comeback over in that second half. And that those are some good predictions right there. And we talked about with the Dolphins, the Bears, they have a nice bye week right now. Hopefully they're getting some really good extra practice and, you know, some good old rest in. That was a big game they had against the Bucks. That Dolphins matchup week six, October 14th on Sunday. That's a noon kickoff. So head over to the church and then head right over to Chicago Bears football right on the road. And then they come home to face I'm looking forward to this one already. I am too. I was the watching, Patriots. Yeah, I watched man. the Patriots uh, last night when they played the. Um, oh, who did they play last night? The Colts. Tom Brady's yeah, comeback right, this right, season. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they said it looks like week one now for the Patriots. Yeah, this yeah. Week. With, uh, Tom Brady playing the Colts yesterday. Um, it was a lot of. They had a lot of good plays. They get the ball out quickly, but I think the Bears' defense is going to have a good matchup against that Patriots offense, and I think that's a game I'm really looking forward to. But we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and I think we got a few more topics to cover, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do. We always like to talk football, though, Isaac, and we're headed into uh, your favorite part of the show. It's uh, Chicago White Sox baseball. You and I are big, dire White Sox fans. Actually, the listeners don't know. That's actually how I met you. You were down in Z&D taking a tour for the first time, and I was the lucky one that be able, was able to help you, and I'm very grateful to God I was able to help you, man. You've yeah, become a really good, good friend of me for that, and yeah, uh, just being able to mentor you like that, but... We bonded over the White Sox. Yeah. You had that cool, uh, I can remember it still, it was yesterday, that red and blue White Sox hat with the red stripe. Very classic. Yeah. Like that logo. And But our Sox, uh, you know, even in year two rebuild, it's not a record you like to see as a fan. No. Uh, 62 and 100 on the year. They're slated for the third overall pick as the two teams above them, uh, especially the Baltimore Orioles is one right there, and then the Royals in our division. Uh, both slated for first and second pick. The Orioles really did a quick tear down there, kind of like what you saw with the Yankees a few years ago. And uh, just an opening question. They finished year two of the rebuild. Some injuries, you know, questions with Kopech right now. I think Kopech's going to be just fine. Uh, you know, it's just going to take him some time, helps when he, he's young enough to do this, you know, have this happen. But your thoughts of how they ended the season, you know, sadly Hawks leaving as well. But – what is kind of your recap of the whole 2018 season of the White Sox in a nutshell? You know, it was a tough season. I went to I went to a few ball games this year, and I love watching them, and I'm going to miss it. They lost 100 games with the last pitch of the season. I thought, oh, man, well, I'm going to miss this. I always do. Um, it was hard. It was a hard season. They had, some, they had some spots where they were good, and there was a point there in early August that I thought maybe they'd turn not turn it around completely for this year, but, you know, get a good roll going into the offseason. And, you know, at a point I thought they were going to call up Aloy, and obviously when they called up Kopech, that was about the highest – the hype, and then he got hurt, and then everything started falling back off again. So that was a rough end of the season, and obviously you don't like any of the injury news. And they just had a really, really, really tough go with injuries this year. But you know, going into the off season um, and looking just forward to next season, what they have on the team already, and just in terms of their minor leagues, uh, I'm excited to see Aloy Jimenez. I think he's going to be up in after a few weeks in April, maybe the start of May, and. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to all of that. I'm really looking. I'm excited for all of it. And, you know, and there's going to be a lot of development still. You, you, Tim Anderson was a 2020 guy, and he's one of my favorite players on that That's team. That's both our favorites right there. He's we love Timmy Anderson. He's a good player. Yohan Mankata, I believe, had 17, 17 home runs, 32 doubles. His first full year at the Major League Baseball. Year. He, had, he had some stats that looked good. His strikeouts were high, but, you know, that's what happens a lot. And, you know, we look at a guy on the other side of town that we – I mean, obviously, neither one of us are big Cub guys, but you look at Javi Baez, and at one point he was, yeah. like, he was getting sent back down. He wasn't looking good, you know, all these other things. He was – and, and he, he didn't really know what you had, and there was a lot of questions there. And then he has the season he has. He's at least second in MVP voting. And, um, 
and, and, and just a real big turnaround. Even last year was playing below league average at times. So, so it was really so. That's just that's one of those things that gives you hope as a franchise and as a team. And when you get a guy that's got a lot of pure talent like Yohan Mankata has, uh, you got to also give him time to develop that. And, and and nothing happens overnight. Nothing happens over seasons, singular seasons. Exactly. You look at a lot of ball players that weren't too good their first five years. I mean, uh, last night Mike Fultonevich started for the Astro or started for the Braves. Pretty good young pitcher there, yeah. Pretty, pretty good young pitcher, but he was in the he was drafted by the Astros in 2010, and after five years they had given up on him. I mean, they, I mean that's how he found his way to the Braves. He wasn't traded or anything; he was just picked up, and he had a complete turnaround season. And who knows if that's sustainable or not? But you you, you got to give time. And another guy that even on this team is uh, uh, Avisayo Garcia. He's a guy that for a long I'm time did not, look, yeah. did not look and played by injuries a lot this year, and that was another reason why I think the Sox team wasn't able to do so well is because last year. Avi was there a lot. And we had, needed that a, trade value, man. Yeah, had a lot. He played a really good season in 2017, and now obviously this year in 2018 was hurt a lot. But when he did play, he got his – it was funny because he was hurt a lot, but you know now has his career high in homers this season. Too. That's right, and yeah. Finally. So, yeah, that was, that, was a big, that was a big boost for him too, and I'd like to see what he can do over the course of a full healthy season. And obviously what they're going to do in the offseason with uh, – Free agency is the stuff, but it looks like we're about to get in, in, into that. Yeah, bit. it's um something that was talked about a few years ago. Uh, they were actually in trade talks for him. I'm sure you remember those. I do, I do. You know, we're like, hey, I'm like going to bed one night. And I'm like, hey, maybe the next morning we'll see a trade get done. Uh, you know, let's. I'm actually going to do that recap briefly just for the fan, the listeners here if they didn't hear about that. A little history fact. Uh, the, the White Sox were talking trade with the Orioles. This is before Manny Child became a uh, Los Angeles Dodger along with Probably the best infield now after they made that Dozier trade too yeah, uh, over in Dodger sad. Nation. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Manny, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Dodgers. I'm a big Dodger fan actually in the National League even when – I saw that 42 movie, so that really got me hooked on the yeah. Dodgers in the National League. Um, you know, it's my favorite there. But, uh, you know, they might go to World Series again and hopefully win it this time. They didn't do that last year. But – Manny Machado might be a free agent. We don't know that for sure yet. But if he is, Rick Conn was very high on Manny Machado. And I actually read an article a few days ago. You know, you got to love those prediction articles. You know, uh, a lot of great reporters will put together some good, uh, you know, information about it. But, like, predicting, you know, the destinations. Yeah. I love seeing that. The good old top 50 uh, free agents and where those destinations are going to be predicted. And the question will be, and this is a big question for you, could you see a Bryce Harper come, maybe, or do you see Rick Hahn being able to fulfill his dream, selling Manny Machado on the young Chicago White Sox and the bright future with this team? And uh, do we see Machado playing shortstop for the Sox? Moncada um, at third and uh, Madrigal at second and a Timmy at uh, center field. Do we see that in the White Sox future, uh, bringing in Manny Machado? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice thing to think. It's something that you'd like to happen, but uh, I, I don't think the team showed enough this year. Manny Machado has been on a was on an Orioles team through a lot of bad baseball, and he, he's looking to go, A, get money, but he also, he's more than Bryce Harper, I believe, is looking for a winner. I think he's He's dead set, I think. I, 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 I tweeted this earlier. If the Cubs get rid of Addison Russell, I think they're going to be a big, big, big contender for Manny Machado. That's a good prediction, actually. Um, and, and they're going to just have that whole shortstop, and he wants to play shortstop. And if you got, and, and I hate to put it this way, but if you want to play for the Sox, who have yet to show anything in terms of record, you want to play for the Cubs, who had a 95-win season, you're going to go pick for the Cubs. And if he plays for the Sox, he won't be playing shortstop immediately. You're not going to move Tim Anderson after a good season he's had. Uh, and obviously you got Madrigal coming up in here in a couple of years, but you don't want to really get too far ahead of yourself. They'll probably put him at third, and 
it's going to be tough to sell him at playing a position that he doesn't necessarily want to play for a team that isn't necessarily ready to peak and for a lot of things. And I'd love to see it, and I think they'll be in, but I don't think it's realistically realistic right now for them to go sign him. And if you're the Sox, maybe go target a guy like an A.J. Pollock. Uh, I like AJ Pollock, a good veteran leader. Go get a starting pitcher if you can, whether it's whether it's Bartolo Colon just on a season to <laughs> eat some innings. If you remember that twenty-one loss he had, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. D- depending on what they expect from themselves next year, you're going to really see that in this free agent class. Is it going to be more signings like you've seen the last two seasons, like the Joaquin Soria's, uh, even a Dan Jennings at the time when they signed him, or when they got him, it was it was more of a piece. But is it going to be more getting guys that you can bring in, make look better, and trade? Uh, a similar signing was like a Derek Holland two years ago. Are you going to see more of those moves, or are you going to go see an AJ Pollock who says, you know, if we get this, if we get a spot, we get a spot filled in the center field, and you know, maybe if we can expect more better production out of uh, Mankata and Anderson. If you call Beloy and you expect a lot of production out of him and left, Avi's coming back and having a full season. You have Abreu at uh, first base, who's a dead set All Star. It's perennial All Star. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're expecting a lot out of this team, then yeah, you do that. But it's going to be big. Patrick Corbin's another guy, a starting pitcher. The Sox after that, uh, what's really going to be their issue, I think, next season is going to be pitching, and if they're going to be able to get enough starting pitching. They have some guys that are ready to make that jump, but they're not ready to make that jump to being a full time starter in the rotation yet. A Kopech was a guy that you're really expecting there, but obviously he's not there anymore, uh, at least for next season. So there's there's a lot of things you're going to be working in and trying to figure out, and I, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. I I think that there, there's some guys that can go chase after, but it's still it's really up in Rick Hahn's hands and Kenny Williams and everyone that in the front office on what they want to do and what they expect out of their team next year. Well, I I, I love to bring Bryce Harper in, but I think it's going to be the pitching uh, that I'm really interested in free agent wise. There's a lot of good names out there. Uh, I actually see, and this was actually predicted. Uh, this is actually a podcast I was new before that helped me inspired to create this show. It was the White Sox Talk podcast ran by uh, good old Homewood Flossman. I love the South Suburb uh, residents getting into sports there near us. Uh, uh, Chuck Garfine, big, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, just shout out to Chuck Garfine there. But uh, he talked about a – they actually did an episode. I don't know if you've heard it yet, uh, even as a diehard. But, you know, they predicted the next three years kind of like a timeline. You know, maybe bringing in Manny Machado. But my favorite relief pitcher, even though he is in Cleveland – they bring in Andrew Miller. Now, that bullpen's in an interesting spot. You know, they had some decent arms, but they've been making a lot of trades the last two years with it. Uh, the Brewers just love the White Sox bullpen arms. So we've been making yeah, a lot of trades with yeah. them. Uh, we're able to get Cody Medeiros out of that one. But I think Andrew Miller is going to be able to team up with my favorite White Sox reliever in history, Nate Jones, and some of those young arms. You know, you're going to have Zach Birdie coming up, you know, after that injury at two years ago. He's going to be back and ready. Uh, a lot of those young pitchers we have, not every pitcher is going to be in rotation. Uh, that's something that Sox fans can be excited about with the bullpen. And I think Andrew Miller is going to get a nice, I believe, four-year deal. But my favorite player, this, this has been my favorite leadership player when he was in Pittsburgh. And anyone that knows me that's hearing this episode right now is going to say, well, we already know a player you're mentioning right now. It's Andrew McCutcheon. He's, now, he, he's not like too young like in Rick Hahn's long-term plans. But he's in the early stages of 30. He's 31 years old, going on 32. But he's got a ton of baseball left in him. If you look at his stats and you know what he's doing for the Yankees right now, coming over from the San Francisco Giants, he's not going to be requiring that much money, I don't believe, because you know Bryce Harper is going to be getting money. AJ Pollock, you know the one you mentioned, Isaac's going to be getting some pretty good money. There's a lot of players out there, and this is what we saw with their free agent class last year. 
you know, a lot of money goes to the top players, and then all of a sudden it just bottoms out. You know, players are looking for spots. But I think the White Sox, and they have this with Jose Abreu right now. Abreu's going to be there the rest of his career, no doubt, in my view. But they're going to need some veteran leadership in the outfield. You know, we talked about Eloy coming up. You know, they do have a bit of veteran players, like we said, Navi Garcia, uh, Adam Engel is a favorite of mine, real good defender, and uh, Nicky Delmonico. But those are a lot of young kids still. You know, they, they need a real veteran with playoff experience, uh, just the pedigree, the personality. And I think and- – I'd love to see Andrew McCutcheon on the south side. I think he's going to bring that energy to a locker room. Kind of – I'm going to compare it to Khalil Mack and the Bears actually a little bit. You know, how they both kind of share that energy, that winning experience and pedigree, um, just winning those awards as a player. He can bring that to the south side. I think he could really mentor Elo Jimenez, Luis Robert in center field. Uh, Rutherford's going to be obviously taking some more time. So there's a spot for McCutcheon uh, over in the corner outfield. He could DH, still has the bat. But I'm a huge Andrew McCutcheon fan, and I like Bryce Harper. But I, I, I'm calling Rick Conn pretty soon in the morning here, I might even, about bringing uh, Andrew McCutcheon on a nice uh, three-, four-year deal to the south side. I like that idea. Um, I think they go out there starting pitcher this offseason. It puts the pressure on Lucas Giolito, and, and I really liked that they saw it Ronaldo. Ronaldo Lopez is Had incredible. a sub-4 ERA, had a lot of strikeouts. Had a, you know, first full season in the majors as well. I'm really eager and excited to see what we're going to see out of him next year. He might be at the top of the rotation if they don't sign anybody. Um, well, Carlos Rodon, too, as well. I'm excited for those guys' seasons. I think they go after a guy like Patrick Corbin, and they go after a starting pitcher that they can put in and maybe win them some ball games. Not the same, not a Derek Holland signing where they're Derek Holland signing where they're <laughs> hoping that he can come in like a play. Lance Lynn. Yeah, yeah, hoping that he performs a little bit more, but maybe Corbin where you know you're going to get a little bit more out of it. And yeah, and and going after a center like McCutcheon, I like that a lot. I think you need a center fielder if you're going to be a better team. I think that's the mo- biggest sore spot, just just in the lineup at least. You know, Adam Engel does a lot as a defender, and I don't mind keeping him on the roster being a defensive replacement. He's got to get that bat going. But his, his bat just is not an everyday center field guy. He has definitely got the bat to be a bench guy. He's got the bat, I believe, to be – and he's got the glove to stay on the roster. And, and if he's not on the Sox, he's on some team catching fly balls out there because he's, you know, picking home runs like they're nothing. Um, so, yeah, I like I – like, I would I think he's going to be on the team next year. But, yeah, I don't mind the cut signing or, or – or any sub center, or any center fielder at all that can go out there and play every day, that'd be good. And, I, and yeah, I, I really like the enthusiasm behind it. Andrew McCutcheon signing and all this stuff. And he, you know, he's been in a lot of different spots in his career, and he, he's looked for a lot of different things. But you never know. And yeah, I like I like that a lot. I, I think that's a good prediction, and I'd be very excited to see them get a guy like that. And I, I I'd be in line buying my next McCutcheon jersey. And the White Sox fans will hopefully wait to see uh, Andrew McCutcheon signing, Manny Machado, maybe even both, and uh, Patrick Corbin for Isaac over here. Uh, as they finish yeah. the season, as we mentioned, 62-100, uh, slated for the third overall pick in the MLB draft. Nick Costello, Rick Conn, we wish you nothing but the best of luck with the offseason. Continue to do great work with the team the last few years. Now heading into the north side of Chicago with the Chicago Cubs. Isaac, we're not big fans of that, but we have listeners that are, and I know we have different views than uh, the Cub fans out there. We were – uh, happy for the Rockies, but um, the Cubs had a close game against both the Brewers and the Rockies. And, you know, as I mentioned, as a, a baseball fan, my allegiance is with the White Sox, uh, respectively. But just kind of, you know, I talked to a few fans, but I caught a few of the highlights of the Brewers game. And this is a Brewers team that there's a lot to talk about. This is a team two years ago that was in a rebuild, you know, kind of, you know, made it in the playoffs a little bit. Last year they... Could have made it a little bit farther in the playoffs, but they had that whole wild card situation the Cubs were in. The Brewers are going through, man. They're on a two-game lead now in uh, the NLDS, and 
I'm really excited to see what they could do just because they're, you know, we don't have the Sox in, the Cubs aren't in, but that's kind of our team we're clinging to that's close to home in Major League Baseball here in, you know, Chicago. Milwaukee's not that far over there in Wisconsin. And uh, shout out to Thornton Fractional South from my hometown, Lansing, Illinois, Curtis Granderson, uh, making it into the postseason towards the latter part of a great career as an outfielder. So shout out to my man, CG, Curtis Granderson. And, uh, but the Cubs, uh, Isaac, you talked about it, a uh, 95-win team this year, 95-68 and 68 on the year. But a tough, you know, 2-1 loss to the Rockies. Uh, Q, former Sox pitcher that we both are fans of, had a tough loss with the Brewers there, 3-1. What are your thoughts on uh, the finish for the uh, Cubs in 2018? And we talk about the White Sox uh, with free agents. Do they sign a Bryce Harper to pair with his buddy Chris Bryant, or is pitching more of the need? Uh, I said it earlier. I think I, I really think Addison Russell is going to be off that team. I don't see that them messing with him much longer, and especially with the money they have, they can go ahead and DFA him. And I think some other guy might, some other team might pick him up and give him a chance. Billy Bean, maybe that'd yeah, be interesting. Would be. You never know. And some he'll get another shot. He's got too too good defensively. So I think they go after Bryce Harper or Machado. I can't say the land either one because I also think the Yankees are going to get one of them. I think the Phillies are really big into Harper, and I think I. I Machado to the Yankees seems like it's an almost it's almost happening, but you know it, I think the Cubs can make a good pitch, and then Harper he's gonna go where the money tells him to, and I and I'm, I'm not I'm not sure the Cubs are gonna be eager to give another outfielder that much money because they have Hayward's contract. Because they have Hayward's yeah. contract out there, so so um yeah it was a tough loss, tough end of the season. You know you don't want to lose back to back games at home to end your season. You don't want to especially the former reliever Wade Davis. Yeah, that, that was really hard for them. Uh, you know, luckily we're not Cub fans, so we didn't feel as much. But yeah, that's that's a tough way to end your season. But I think yeah, uh, going into that off season, targeting Bryce Harper and Manny Machado is probably on their list. But I, I don't want to guarantee that they go to either one of those because a lot of teams are going to be wanting those guys. And 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 and, and to really be able to say set in stone that he so and so is going somewhere, it's just it's really it's foolish. I don't, you can't really guarantee any of that stuff right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually going to go, I, I would agree, you know, it would be, wouldn't be a Sox fan's favorite thing uh, to see Bryce Harper and Manny Machado in those crosstown games, but uh, I think it's going to be more pitching. And Now, they did get some pitching. Of course, they have Q. I think he's going to be there a long time. I think it's Lester, Quintana, and probably Kyle Hendricks is those three uh, that stick with the Cubs throughout this process, you know, however long their window's open. And I think those players will stay there. I'd love to see a Q sale reading, of course, in the south side down the road if we need two pitchers towards uh, winning again. But I, I think Q's going to be there. I think he's a really good presence for them. They love his energy, uh, the way he plays the game of baseball, handling no decisions, being a workhorse. But they have some injuries. Isaac, it's, it's kind of hard not to put the nail in the coffin there. And, you know, you Darvish is a huge question mark. They give him that much money. That's that goes even with Bryce Harper. You know, you give him maybe a 10-year deal, $300 million, let's say. You know, he could get injured like that. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. That's what's interesting about the game of baseball, especially the way free agency money is going to be. Uh, just getting more and more expensive. But I think the Cubs really need some pitching. And I could actually see them competing with the White Sox for a guy like Patrick Corbin. I'm going to actually put the Cubs and the Sox in competition for your boy Patrick Corbin over there. And uh, just some of the other stars we're seeing available, Lance Lynn and uh, – there's so many to name. I'm kind of losing my track of thought here. But I think the Cubs are going to go pitching heavy. I mean, their bullpen's great. But I think their focus needs to be more, not just even starting pitching, but they got to look at the health, the injury history, you know, even with guys like Darvish, Chatwood, make sure they're healthy, you know, consistent. And uh, hopefully we see some better pitchers over there in Wrigley. As the Cubs lost, 
uh, ended 95 and 68 on the year, and we have a favorite segment to the show coming up. Of course, we're not going to have time. You know, we covered so much Bears. We're going to talk about the Bulls on the next Facebook Live. Uh, just a little tip there for the listeners. So we'll be talking preseason Bulls on the Facebook Live in the next uh, few episodes moving forward as baseball sadly has ended. But Isaac, it is a segment you prepared a lot for, I could tell. Will's Sports Movie Moment is finally here. We have all our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our old favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest co-host, and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite sports movie moment and compare it to modern-day sports. Listeners can hop onto the podcast, Facebook, and Twitter page, joining the sports conversation, and also posting their favorite moment in a sports movie, comparing it like we do on the show. Isaac, in the spirit of giving, I'm going to let you go first. I love letting the go host open up for me. So what do you have for your Will Sports Movie Moment first choice? I really think you're going to enjoy this one, Will, because I know you're a Rocky fan. Oh, oh, man. We're definitely getting you back on the next episode (laughs) soon here. I want to compare this to not Rocky 1 or 2, but Rocky 3. Have you seen Rocky 3? Oh, I I, I have. 4 is my favorite, but Rocky 3 is a good one. So in Rocky 3, that's the one where he's – and I'm going to compare this to a team we actually didn't talk about a lot tonight, but one of my favorites – my favorite, you know, and really the only dynasty that hit Chicago since the 90s Bulls is the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, I saw that jersey yesterday. Yeah, and and in Rocky 3, obviously, it's the one where Rocky gets – you know, he's at his lowest moments in his career, and he's got to build his way back up. And last season, the Chicago Blackhawks, they – they go into the season, they, they were the one seed in the West the year before, so you're expecting at least a playoff appearance, and you're expecting a lot of things from a team like that, and they're coming off a Stanley Cup only a couple of years before that in 2015. So you really want them, you, you expect the playoffs. Well, they only got 76 points in the standings. That was 16, 17 points behind a playoff spot. They didn't come near a playoffs. If you want to say 17 points, that's somewhere like in baseball being out nine and a half games at the end of the season. So Or eight and a half games, I should say. Anyway... I, in, in the end of the movie, obviously Rocky comes back, and obviously the franchise continues, and he gets back to the, being the top of the game that he Love is. Love that Creed team up in the middle there too. That's really cool. Exactly. Nice plot so, twist. so I'd say, so I'd say the Blackhawks this season they won last night, and, and really what was big about that was their stars were playing, and a lot happened last year where their stars were just not who they were. They just weren't. They were You know, Patrick Kane was having a solid season, but Taze wasn't producing as much, and Brandon Saad, a guy they traded for the year before, wasn't able to do a lot. Last night, you had Taze get a goal and assist. You had Kane get a goal and assist. You had uh, Brent Seabrook get a goal. And those are just those three guys are guys that if they can perform and they can produce like they can, like they have over their career, this team's going to easily walk their way back into the playoffs. So that's something I, I, I like to compare Rocky three to the Blackhawks season this year is getting themselves back on top. I love that. Uh, well, you know I'm a diehard Rocky fan. Just so many inspiring things about those movies. Confidence, True Heart Within. Uh, if the listeners haven't seen those movies, you got to check out Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, not 5, correction, 6, uh, Creed 1, and Creed 2 coming out. Isaac, have you uh, heard about that I haven't seen the Creed oh, movies, but I, I fear they're really you gotta good. you check out that one. And I'm actually going to pick uh, – I had a different one planned, but now you really changed my mind on this. I'm going to have to go with a Rocky movie, too. It's going to be a Rocky night oh, okay. on Will Sports Movie Moment. I'm going to go with my favorite one that I just mentioned, good old Rocky 4, and I'm going to compare – it to I'm gonna mention in a second of course but my favorite scene is of course not when Apollo Creed dies it's kind of a sad thing he was a very uh, well known character in the movie saga uh, still especially at this point with his son in the Creed movies now but it's when Rocky is training in Russia and he gets ready for that fight you know he's walking in with adversity and you know he doesn't know what to expect he's in this is during the Cold War so like in Russia you know he's you know, getting looked at like an outlaw, like, hey, what's this American doing in here thinking he could beat our Russian? They were just so supportive of Drago. And 
My favorite part is it's he's in the fight. You know, the first two rounds he's really getting knocked around, but all of a sudden, you know, he gets up, and I can I I love watching this movie. Whenever I'm down, maybe you know having a rough day or just need a little pick me up before a test, I'll watch this little ten minute clip of it. You know, the montage throughout the fight of uh, you know rounds three, five, and all of a sudden in round seven, Rocky's uh, getting fans to cheer for him, even in Russia that didn't like him in the first place. There's uh, the lead guy over Drago, like his manager, watching with the uh, Soviet uh, premier and like their government getting nervous. They're getting nervous. And I'm going to compare that. You know, of course, Rocky wins that. You know, big knockout, no question. But I'm going to compare that to the Chicago Bears. Now, the reason I compare it to the Bears especially is the point where Rocky starts that fight and he's down, it's kind of like where the Bears were a few years ago. You know, they had Jay Cutler, uh, then even Mike Lennon last year. They had some question marks. But they this year is that spot in the fight where Rocky's coming back, fights round three, five, seven, being able to take on his opponents. That's going to be the Bears, in my opinion, the rest of the year. Now, we're looking at the schedule. The Patriots, uh, the Jets, the Lions back-to-back, the Vikings, and the Packers back in Chicago. A lot of teams coming up, but Matt Nagy has that energy and just that presence he's bringing to the team. They have so much excitement in the locker room now. Uh, him and Mr. Bisky are forming a great bond. I think it's going to continue for another decade or so here. Uh, I, I don't think Matt Nagy's going anywhere. I think he's a Chicago Bear coach as long as George Halas will be. Just my big prediction there. I'm a big Matt Nagy fan of what he's brought to the team. But I'm going to compare it to what the Bears do uh, against Miami. They're going to go in there say, hey, we know Adam Gase is a friend of ours, but you could shoot us a friend request on Facebook and uh, like that picture of us winning that game and uh, moving forward. So that's my movie moment. A fun Rocky night, courtesy of Isaac Missile opening it with a great one there. Rocky 3 and 4, if you haven't seen those, even Rocky 1, go buy some DVDs, go stream it, go rent it. It's on Netflix. Whatever you got to do, go get those movies. That is all the time, though, we have in Episode 19 of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. Tune in next time to Episode 20. is Clayton Barakani from WZND and a normal Illinois native, will be making his first-time guest co-host appearance to help us talk more about Illinois State Volleyball Conference coverage, Illinois State football team updates, more Chicago Bears regular season talk, the first time we talk about the 2018 Chicago Bulls preseason inside recaps, and so much more. I want to thank Isaac Missile for coming out tonight as the guest host, and it was a fun time talking sports. So, Isaac, thanks for uh, being a part of the show. We can't have to wait to have you on moving forward, and uh, – Thanks for being a part of the fifth quarter sports talk, man. I'm eager. Yeah, no, I was excited. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. And a special thanks also goes out to 670 to score Bears sideline reporter Mark Grody, a friend of the show and a big supporter. We appreciate that. Uh, him coming back on the show for a second time and hopefully many more. Mark just just did a great job once again. I'm, I'm sure you heard episode 12. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, what he did for this one's incredible. All the stuff, I'm just going to say it right now, uh, the co-hosts, uh, you and especially and the other ones, appearances i love what they bring to the show so i'm grateful to all of them uh shout out to the ones that have been on and uh, ones moving forward but uh thank you to mark grody for coming back uh and uh we're grateful uh here at will's fifth quarter special for uh being part of once again and moving forward and we wish you uh, our best of luck as well and support you moving forward in your work and broadcast career yeah, when the you. fourth quarter buzzer sounds turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk i'm your host will far along with 670 to score sideline reporter Mark Grody and Isaac Missile saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special. To continue to hear your fifth quarter sports talk, you can check out all of Will's fifth quarter specials at WilliamDFarlow.com. To join the sports conversation and share any opinions or thoughts on all sports, 
head to the Twitter page at William D. Farlow. The fifth quarter never stops here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special.